Hi, and here's how to get to Barangaroo in Sydney from Central Station. You take the North Shore and Western Line, the T1, or the T3, the Bankston Line, or the T8, the Airport and South Line. Make sure you're heading towards Wynyard Station. At Wynyard Station, you take exit 4 Clarence Street, the Clarence Street exit if it's open. Uh, and there's a walk of about seven minutes, you know, five or six hundred metres. And uh, so there's a note here from Google in case you're wondering. It says may involve errors or sections not suited for walking. Hey, so it could be an adventure. Once you've taken that exit for it, Clarence Street, you walk north on Clarence Street towards York Lane. Turn left into Margaret Street. Easy names to remember. Continue on to Napoleon Street. You can't forget that. Turn right into Hickson Road. Turn left into Waterman's Quay. And then turn left into Scotch Row. And so there you have it. That's it. So uh, Barangaroo, of course, uh, which is named after an incredible woman. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone, here at Eat Magazine. We're back in Sydney. Great to have you with us. And we've got a very special guest we're about to meet who's going to give us a tour and uh, if you're planning to come here by ferry from Circular Quay, please do that and I'll add it into today's show notes. So let's go. You say, Colin. <laughs> you know, for me, you're in the future. Like, uh, like a man on the moon or in a tin pan. Welcome to the Eat Radio Podcast. And here's your host, Colin Pope from Eat Magazine. Hi, it's Cullen here from the Eat Magazine podcast, and I'm in Sydney. I'm at Barangaroo Reserve, and I'm with Tim Gray. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> and you're going to give us an, an acknowledgement of place. Is that right? Do you want to explain what that is for people and then give us that acknowledgement? Yeah, because um, I'm a Kumbanga Viradjuri man, and uh, so I'm not of this area. This is the land of the Gadigal. So when I um, when people come to the park, I acknowledge them and I acknowledge the traditional owners. Um, I, I I cannot I'm not permitted to do a welcome because I'm not on I'm not Gadigal. I can do that on my land on Gumbanga land or Aradri land. But yeah, so that's how that's how it goes here. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. All right, well, far ahead. All right, so I'd like to just acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land which we're on, the Gadigal. The Gadigal are one of 29 clans which make up the whole Eora Nation. And uh, here at Barangaroo, we also like to acknowledge uh, the Camaragal and the Wongal because uh, Barangaroo is a Camaragal woman and Barangaroo was married to Benelong, who's a Wongal man. And we pay our an- uh, respects to all those ancestral spirits of the Gadigal, Camaragal and the Wongal. So, all right, yeah. brilliant. Thank you for that. And uh, just to give people a sense of place, I've just walked through the city. I've come from that tremendous two towers, huge bustling, very, very busy. And I sort of walked around the corner here and it's such an amazingly peaceful place. Isn't it incredible? Yeah, it's right next to the CBD, which as you said, you know, you mentioned bustling. Uh, You go from a bustling, uh, you know, CBD down to a nice peaceful park with uh, wildlife and um, lots and lots of sandstone and... 75,000 native plants, trees and shrubs. Right, fantastic. And we're going to go for a bit of a stroll and you're going to tell us a little bit of the story of this place, is that right? Yeah, we're going to go for a little bit of a walk. I'll show you some uh, plants and give you a little bit of uh, insight to the history of this place, um, both Aboriginal and colonial. So, 
All right, brilliant. Let's go. No worries. <laughs> so where we are um, just walking onto now, this is Munn Street Reserve, and uh, this is where we usually start all our tours. And um, you can see the... Actually, it's interesting being here because the view that you get from here, you get the view of the CVD, you've got the view of the harbour, and you've got the view of this park. So you get that you can get that sense of um, you know change, the changing of the times in a sense. And this place was actually um, wasn't open to the public for over 150 years. Oh, really? And so what was it mm. before then? This place, uh, in the early 1800s, um, just after the settlers had arrived here, they found this headland to be just a complete headland of sandstone. So they began to quarry this headland for that sandstone and they built all the buildings that you see in the rocks and Circular Quay um, with that sandstone. And then after doing so, it became a flat um, headland. And uh, obviously you can see now it's, it's raised to its original height. And, um, you know, through the years it's been changing as a, a docks area, you know, for ships coming in. Also boat building back in the early 1800s, right up into being a shipping container in, in the 1960s, right up until 2003. So all that time it was only access to workers, never to the public. And now, uh, 2003, they, they decided that they wanted to do something with the land, give it back to the people. Because it was no longer a shipping container yard, they'd moved all that down to Port Botany and up to Newcastle. Oh, yeah. So it was just a long, big slab of concrete, one kilometre long, just doing nothing. So thankfully, they've given, they've reshaped the headland to its original form right. by using watercolour paintings that they found from the 1800s. Really? Yeah. And uh, reshaped the headland and and raised it to its original height and try and, and tried to um, recreate um, the originality of that headland and the natural aspect of it. Wow, and so in actual fact, I mean we're standing quite high now on this hill, but this at one point was flattened. This was flattened, yeah, right. yeah. and you can see as you look back down towards Brangaroo South, we got, it, this is a suburb now, Brangaroo is a suburb, yeah. shares a postcode of Sydney 2000, Okay. and as you can see we've got commercial down at Brangaroo South in yeah. the central part, yeah. that's going to be more parkland, and now up here we're this part up here, Brangaroo North or Brangaroo Headland, it's completed now and uh, it's looking um, oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's my, it's a great office to work. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. All right, let's. Yeah, let's, let's go up. We're going to head up to um, Stargazer Lawn. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So as far as the, um, you know, the different levels go, we've got, uh, we're on level one at the moment. We're okay. going to head up to level two, which is the top. Right. And then you'll get. A beautiful view from up from up the top here. Right, and so all the sandstone that we're walking past now, this was brought in from somewhere else, or was quarried from here and then reassembled. The sandstone that you see here is all from underneath the ground wow. here, here right at the headland. Yeah, um, actually, ninety-three percent of it was from here. Yep, and uh, seven percent was from a quarry in Gosford, which is on the central coast. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all marine grade sandstone. Right. And it's uh, it's uh, not that old. It's around about 200 million years old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Washed down from the Hawkesbury Basin uh, over the many millions of years. Right. And we have 10,000 individual sandstone blocks in and around the park. 
Wow. And they're all individually microchipped. Okay, so we can't take one then. <laughs> That's right, we can't take one. And so the idea of microchipping them was uh, out of the story, or part of the... Yeah, well, what they did was they created a 3D map on a computer. Right. So that they saved double handling of the park. Right, wow. Uh, saved double handling of each sandstone. Yeah. So they created this 3D map and were able to place every single sandstone exactly where it's meant to go. And they only had to do that once. How incredible. There's 6,500 sandstone blocks around the shoreline, which we'll see uh, as, as we go further along. Right. And you can see all the different colours of sandstone. Yeah. And a little bit later on, I'll probably show you uh, some ochre. Oh, okay. And the ochre actually comes from inside the sandstone. Right. Wow. So, and what's this extraordinary tower here behind us? Well, we got... Uh, when I was mentioning that this was a shipping container yard back in the 1960s. Yeah. In the early 70s, uh, two ships collided just off the shore here. Right. And they built a harbour control tower. Okay. And, but it only had a longevity of 40 years. Yeah. So now it's coming down. Ah. They're bringing it down. Okay. It should be gone by the end of November. Right. Okay. And because uh, uh, the reason why it's still there now is because there was still lots much debate about around about what they were going to do with it. Right. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's the old harbour control tower. Right, fantastic. And on here, as we go, if we could just probably head over this way, there's, uh, we'll be standing on Stargazer Lawn. So Stargazer Lawn, uh, it's a great feat of engineering, this whole headland, because what they've actually done to raise the height of the headland is instead of just landfilling it all, they've actually created a road bridge technology so we're standing on technically a road bridge. So they wanted to do that to raise the height of the headland and also to utilise the space underneath. So when we um, walk around further, we'll see that space underneath. It's called the cutaway. Right. And they use that as a performance and art space at the moment. Ah. They've had lots of exhibitions, yeah. Sydney Festival. They've had um, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal art exhibitions in there. And it's... Uh, so there's a big dome under us. There's a big somewhere. dome under us, yeah, wow. which we're going to go and have a look at soon. And this is a Stargazer Lawn, named because this park is actually open 24 hours a day. Right. So you can come here at night and yeah. gaze at the stars. Right. Also, you can see the Sydney Observatory Tower not far from here. It's oh, yeah. just up on the hill, Observatory Hill. Yeah. And it's also named after a local fish called the Stargazer Fish. Okay. Which has eyes at the top of its head and it lies at the bottom of the harbour. Right. And it's the same colour as the sand, so it camouflages itself from its unsuspecting victims. Right. So, <laughs> okay. Good. You can actually buy it at the fish market. Oh, can you? <laughs> and it, how does it taste? I wouldn't know because I probably wouldn't try it. Okay. Considering it's not probably not my favourite. Uh, right. It's not the nicest looking fish in the world. Okay. Let's yep. just say that. <laughs> okay, great. And so... Uh, so it, it feels like it's a little bit sheltered here as well. I can see that it's sort of windy in the rest of the city, but it feels like we're in a little bit of a sheltered spot here, so it's... Um, just here, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you go down to the shoreline, it's a little bit more exposed, I guess. And you get that uh, nice breeze from e either the easterly or the westerly or southerly, and you get, you get all the elements. So it's... Uh, and they didn't want to... They didn't want to build man-made shelters here because yeah, they wanted to keep it as natural as possible. Right, yep. And even when um, talking about the Stargazer lawn being a lawn, the, some of the first fleet of journals, journals have um, uh, statements uh, written into those journals saying that the headland, this headland, was actually park-like when they sailed in 
crew oh, here. Really? So it actually did look like the Stargazer lawn looks like now because the Aboriginal people around this area, what they were doing was a thing called fire farming. Right, sure. So they were clearing all this for soil and seed, but also for hunting big game right. using fire. Okay. So it actually did look like a clearing of uh, park-like, right. as, as described in the first fleet of journals. So. Fantastic. And, and the plantings are quite, quite an interesting mix of plantings. As well. uh, when they opened the park in August 22nd, 2015, there was 84 species. And um, 79 of those were endemic to this Sydney Basin area, right. Sydney Harbour area. Yep. So mostly native. Um, as you walk in from Hickson Road, you have London plane trees, but that's uh, a nod to the, uh, the Great Depression days of the Hungry Mile ah, yep. and the colonial history of this area as well. Okay. But, and uh, those other five species that made up the 84 species were iconic species that are not only found around Sydney, like the, the, the gums. Okay. Even the guy, mere lily. Yep. But uh, yeah, mostly. And now we've added a few new species: uh, a melaleuca, which is a paper bark. Yep. We've added a type of myrtle. Yeah. And um, a xanthorea, which is a grass tree. And all, all three of those very significant to um, you know food, shelter, and uh, medicinal purposes that Aboriginal people use. Right. I mean, they, these plants represent. It's almost like a an ancient pharmaceutical warehouse. Right. Because the, the trees and plants and shrubs that were used by Aboriginal people all over Australia, but particularly here, uh, you've got anything from uh, ailments for small cuts all the way to the depression, asthma and all sorts of things. Right, okay. Yeah. So, and so those, those plants, they were, they were used in different ways. They were used to apply to the skin or that could be cooked and eaten or... Uh, skin, eaten... Um, use the shelter, yeah. um, s uh, smoke. Right, oh yes, of course, yeah. The smoking, was that would be like the ones that you'd use for asthma or yep. even depression. Yeah. And then you'd have, uh, well, I have one down here. Further on, we can uh, have a look at the pig face, which okay. is a cousin of the aloe vera. Oh, yes. And that uh, can sort out, uh, you know, blisters, small cuts. Oh, really? Yeah, even rashes. Okay. Yeah. And it seems to be so, it's so brilliantly laid out in terms of, uh, I guess, the way each one of those stones sort of go down to the water and then you've got this sort of, I don't know how you would describe that, but it's, it's almost as if they're, they're sort of growing out of the water. Could you say that? Yeah, you could. Actually, the way they've um, placed those uh, sandstones along the shoreline, it actually looks as natural as possible. Uh, it may have not looked like th that exactly back in the, you know, when Arthur Phillips sailed through the heads, but it still gives you that natural impression of uh, what it would have looked like back, uh, you know, pre-settlement, pre-colonisation. Right. And this area we're moving down into here, this is the entrance from... Town's Place. From Town's Place. Yep. Okay, right. And so, so this is sort of the beginning from from this side of the city, is yep. that right? Yep. And you've got the, you've got the Harbour Bridge. You you can walk from Circular Quay around the rocks, oh, right. around this way past Pier One. Okay. You've got all the uh, Bangara Dance Theatre, the Roslyn Packer um, Theatre. Right. Yeah, you've got um, a couple of entrances so where, where we started. Yep. That was Munn Street. Uh, 
entrance, which was uh, connected to Argyll, okay. coming straight from the rocks. Yep. And then you've also got Hickson Road as well. Right. And now we co coming straight from the Hickson Road being the Hungry Mile. Okay. Mm. Right. Back in the Great Depression days when people were lining up for work. Oh, okay. And so they were lining up along the Hickson Hungry Road. Mile, yep. Hickson Hungry Road. Mile. And That's if they. I came in. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they were lining up there for work. And if you didn't. Depression and when when things were pretty tough. And if you didn't get work. You'd obviously go hungry, so... Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. okay, yeah. So quite a bit of history mm. here. Now, we're just coming up to the first cove that we... When you, as you're walking in the Hickson Road, you're walking to uh, Nawi. You'll see Nawi Cove. Now, Nawi is the local Aboriginal word for stringy bark canoe. Oh, okay. So you'll... Uh, um, so you'll see that they've dug up uh, Nawi Cove. When they dug up Nawi Cove, actually... They found a lot of artifacts, not just Aboriginal artifacts, but First Fleet artifacts. Right. Which Sprangaroo Delivery Authority, who um, who runs this park in this in the Brangaroo suburb, um, they've still got a lot of those things catalogued, and they're not still deciding whether to showcase them or not showcase them. But uh, here we have Murray Nawi Cove. Now the reason why it's called Murray Nawi Cove, so Nawi meaning bark canoe, Murray Nawi meaning big bark canoe. Right. And it said that the Aboriginal people, that's how they described the first fleet of ships coming in. Right. So, yeah. Okay, and so they would have seen them from here, perhaps? Yeah, they would have seen them coming in here. Right. And sure. uh, they also described them as possum people because climbing up and down the masts. Right, yeah. And also as ghosts because the big white sails and their white right. skin. Yeah. Seeing something like that for the first time. I mean, uh, people up north would have seen, uh, not, or top of Australia would have seen, the Dutch and the Portuguese and the Chinese. Right. Um, Egyptians have been here. Um, so it's, uh, in it, it's for, for these people here that w could have been the first time they saw something like that. It'd, right, It would be very, yeah. very, um, I don't know what it would be like. I couldn't imagine what it would be like seeing something that big for the first time. Right, sure. And the Egyptians have been here? Yes. Right. Yeah, the Egyptians have been here. There's actually some hieroglyphics up at uh, around the Gosford area. Okay. Yeah. And um, another reason why we know of the Egyptians being here is um, uh, a certain type of red ochre. Yeah. That was used for mummification. Right. It was from Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. so. yeah, well, they certainly... But well, they were travelling <laughs> yeah. a lot. They were travelling a lot. A lot more than... A lot further than we thought. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. And so uh, you were talking earlier about... Uh, is it some of the colour of the sandstone because it's quite incredible the different colours here yeah and that almost looks like has that got fossils in it or um, these that? sandstones because they are around about 200 million years old you get anything from fossils to volcanic rock you have ochre and as we walk around here I can show you a nice little ochre of purple oh right we have uh, around Australia there's around about 70 different colours of ochre here at the park we've got the grey ochre the white ochre yeah uh, brown, red, yellow, and purple. Right. And that all comes from inside the, uh, the uh, sandstone. Right. Okay. So we can... And as you can see, people, um, people come here and have picnics, can sit on the sandstone. They don't even have to bring a chair. <laughs> yeah, it looks a very comfortable place to be. Yeah, great. Yeah, so a lot of, you know, beautiful sandstone. There's that pig face I was telling you about. Oh yes, okay. And so that's used for uh, what cuts and abrasions and yeah, pig face. Yep. And see how it's, a lot of it here is turned a reddy orangey color. Yep. You can actually pick that off and um, you know stir fry it or pickle it up. 
and, and eat it. Not what? Not while it's green though. Okay. And uh, see that the purpley pink flower there? Yeah. That's just because we're in springtime now. It's just starting to bloom. Some of the pig faces are already blooming. Okay. And um, there's something I like to mention on my tours called a bush calendar or a bush indicator. Right. And when the pig face is in bloom with those beautiful purple flowers, it tells us that it's a good time to go catch tailor fish. Ah. And also at the end of that, when the flowering period, when the petals fall off the flower, leaves the butt of the flower, you peel that back and it reveals a fruit like that tastes like lychee. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. It's a cousin of the aloe vera. Okay, so. yeah. Well, it's got that very aloe vera kind of mocking That's thing. That's right, yeah. Um, and it's kind of squishy like the aloe vera, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it is, and there's plenty of liquid in those fleshy um, leaves, similar to the aloe vera. And, and then one of these plantings here. And we've got, uh, this is called the Port Jackson fig. Now at the moment, they're around about mid-October, uh, I'd say. Those uh, figs are going to be nice and red. When they are, you can pick them and eat them. Okay. But make sure that there's, uh, you check the figs, yep. that there hasn't been, looked like there's been a hole drilled inside them. Because if that's the case, the native wasp has laid her eggs in there. So you don't eat that one. Right. <laughs> okay, right, yeah. And um, I don't know if you notice on the Port Jackson fig, yep. there's uh, sort of looks like rope coming from the tree. Yep. That was used also, all rope. Oh, yes. Could be used for fishing line. Okay. Now these trees, they're all in their um, teenage, I call them teenagers because yep. they've got a long way to grow, about five to eight years before all these are mature. Right. So, they're, uh, so you'll be walking underneath a canopy of trees wow. in another couple of years. Yeah, okay, brilliant. And... Uh, we're coming around to uh, the banks here. Oh, yep. Uh, one of the banks here, we have swamp banks here, old man banks here. And what were the banks here used for? Well, the wood is very good for um, musical instrument called clapsticks. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, when, when this is in bloom, see the beautiful, um, almost bottle brush-like right. flowers. Yep. Rub your hand along there and you've got a whole nectar. Oh, yes. Just dripping with nectar. If you can beat the birds in the morning, and that is. Oh, okay. And inside the stem of that uh, plant, that uh, flower, yep. is this. Wow. And that's a velvety looking um, uh, stem yeah. that you use for paint, paintbrush. Oh, right. Okay. Particularly, probably good for um, uh, dot painting. Dot painting. So right. you can see the flowers of some of the oh, pig yes. face now. Yeah. Okay, so when the flowers are out now, this means it's a good time to go fishing for. Taylor. For yeah. Taylor, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the most numerous plant we got is the lamandra. Ah, oh, yes, okay. And the lamandra, 20,000 of those. Yeah, now, the lamandra, uh, what would they have been used for? Because they... They are like the mini-mart of uh, <laughs> plants, as I call them, yeah. because there's so many uses. You you have uh, you can make baskets. These are really good for making baskets. Right. Uh, mats, hats, fish traps. Okay. And also the, the seeds... When the seeds are when the seeds are out, yep. you can pick one off and scrape away the uh, surface of the seed, and it reveal two little white grains. Right. They were crushed up and used for flour. Okay. And so you got your bread. Snakes love laying their eggs inside these guys oh, because yeah. the leaves are very sharp. Yep. So the birds and lizards that normally gather snake or eat snake eggs won't venture into these because right. they know that it could kill them. Yeah. And uh, what else? Oh yes, at the base of the leaf. If you pull out a leaf. Yep. The base it looks like a lemongrass. You can actually um, uh, suck on that, and it'll keep you hydrated for a time. Right. 
Right. And if you peel away the base of that leaf, yep. the white substance, it reveals a lot of bristles, which can be used as a paintbrush. Wow. So many uses for the uh, okay. lament. Still plenty of people around enjoying it. There's certainly enough space to kind of uh, find a bit of space by yourself. Um, and it's got that real uh, kind of sense that somehow Sydney has just completely taken it under its wing. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like it's always been here. Yeah. Great, and so this is a perfect time for us to take a break here. That was part one of this podcast. And uh, and so now that it's a good time, we know it's a good time uh, fishing for Taylor. Here I am among the Gaimia lilies with Tim and the Malalukas. And look, just a reminder before we go, if you can't see the images in this podcast, just click the link. Uh, at the top of the show notes inside the podcast notes and it'll take you straight to the image. I just want to say a very thank, a big thank you, a special thanks to uh, the Barangaroo uh, Delivery Authority for all of the uh, images we've been able to use, the photographers who have been uh, most uh, generous uh, through the Barangaroo Delivery Authority media team. Uh, it's been great to bring these images to you as well. It's been, um, yeah, I think it gives you a real sense of the place in some ways, but until you've been here, of course, it doesn't. Uh, and I think there's maybe a, photo, a couple of photos of mine and... Um, so anyway, look, next time uh, you listen, uh, we're going to be going somewhere special. Uh, we're heading down under, basically. Uh, Tim and I, we head down under, down under the mountain here, down under Stargazer Lawn. So we'll catch you in part two. Cheers. Cheers.